I mean, my friends will come over and be like, so what does this thing do again? I'm like, you're, you're watching it work right now. <laughs> this is what it does. It cuts things out. And they're like, and then what? <laughs> like, that's the point. That's, the, that's what yes. it Welcome to the Open Hardware Manufacturing Podcast, the podcast about making open source hardware. Today we have Ryan Zellers from V1 Engineering. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. We're so stoked to have you, dude. I'm excited and nervous at the same time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. You got nothing to be nervous about. Yeah, no, not at all, dude. It's going to be good. This is a real spicy episode. We talk about you starting out, like your your path getting going with engineering and then starting to design the MPC and C and the previous jobs that you had that kind of teed you up for doing that and having success with that. And then posting on Thingiverse and having crazy success of having people find your stuff on Thingiverse and how you quote unquote whipped up a CNC real quick, which is a real <laughs> quote that you say in this episode, which is crazy. And you did it multiple times throughout the course of this and how you competed in a competition and won a little money from that, had a boss that was super helpful of like, kicking you out and saying, dude, go pursue this thing and how you decide to treat selling this thing and wanting to make sure that you always under promise and over deliver with how you market this thing and how you share it with people. We go into your community management and how do you interact with these people? How do you run beta programs? And then hiring and the first and only employee that you've had and yet you've still able been able to do a crazy amount of machine selling and your take on what does it look like to have other people involved in this thing and kind of your balance with all that stuff too. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it's this is a really <laughs> good one, dude. This is a lot of fun. I'm so excited to have you back on for a couple other topic things where I want to find somewhere we very much disagree on something oh. and to butt heads on a, on a topic and hash that out. I think that would be so much fun. If I get my footing, I'll push. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Cool. All right. Let's uh, let's get into it. Ready, Ryan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> cool. All right, Ryan. So why don't you start by <clears throat> telling us about yourself a little bit and who you are? Well, I'm a solo business owner at this point. Uh -huh. <laughs> I graduated as a mechanical engineer and uh, sort of fell into what I'm doing now accidentally. And it's all uh, I mean, I just just been following what's the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, none of this was planned. So I just, I like to make things. I graduated school doing the, the degree that I thought was making things. And then it, it went from there. What was that degree? Mechanical engineering. Okay. Yeah. Common, and common that, misunderstanding about that degree. Yeah. <laughs> it usually isn't what most people think it's going to result in. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the school was very weird. That's, I mean, if you haven't gone to school for engineering, it's 95% math. Yep. <laughs> and then two classes on building stuff. And those aren't really part of the grade anyway. So did you take, take a class in CAD? I never, my, my whole mechanical engineering degree, I never learned CAD formally. Oh, I, yeah, actually I, in junior college, when I, when I was, I was actually going for like networking and computer stuff because yeah. I thought I was pretty good at it. Mm. And I took a, a CAD class for some reason. I took like engineering 101 in CAD. Yeah. And in that first semester, the teacher offered me a job teaching CAD. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool, dude. You know, they're like, hey, there's two ways we can do this. Like, you're in junior college. You're probably not going to go anywhere. So 
there's this company that I'll pay you to cat up box designs, you know, like how you fold up a gum box or whatever, and it's got a pretty package. There's a company that's willing to pay you to do that. Or the school's willing to have you teach this class that you just graduated from. And I was like, uh, well, if you think I'm good at this, maybe I should take a couple more classes first. (laughs) Yeah. And then I, I just kept going. But yeah, and, and then when I got to SDSU, I took CAD there and realized um, there are some people that were better than me. <laughs> Bigger pond. You know, at the junior college level, maybe I was yeah. really good. But in regular college, it was I was I was just decent. Interesting. So that's kind of like a small fish in a big pond shift. Yeah. So what what what'd you so you went to uh, San Diego State University, right? Yeah. For Mecky. Yeah. Uh, after you graduated from that, were you kind of building stuff on your own at that point? Or was it still just kind of like school? Oh my God, my entire life, my entire, like, (laughs) I, we, I don't know. I built like probably nine or 10. I built a a hovercraft in the backyard with a leaf blower and my mom's pool blow up mat thing. I stapled it on there and and I remember my parents came home and they were kind of like, what the hell did you do? And then they saw it work and they were like, all right, well, maybe, maybe this is something we won't, you won't get in trouble for. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, as a kid, like I grew up tuning up my mom's Volkswagen and stuff. So like, I've always been hands-on. Yeah. I think my uncle at one point, we were out to dinner. I graduated high school and he was like, oh, you should be a mechanical engineer. Thought nothing of it. And one day I watched the video and I was like, this is what he was talking about. I was like, oh, that's why he was saying that. Like, I, I think maybe I should be. Yeah. So, I mean, I started late. I, I think I started school at 25 and I took, I took the long route all the way through it. Yeah. And then like in, in school. So the last year or so of SDSU, they had told me like, Hey, um, you've been here too long. You have to finish this year or we're kicking you out. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, no, I've got a full-time job. Like I'm almost done, but you know, I've got a full-time job. This isn't cheap. I don't have scholarships or anything. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, I don't care. You you need to go now. So I had to quit, take out loans and graduate, you know, right. I'm freaked out. I quit a job I had for 18 years. Holy smokes, dude. Wow. Just to finish out the degree. So you could have the time Mm -hmm. to do it. Wow. Yeah, because you know that last the last year of mechanical engineering is I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. And it was more than a full time load, so I could catch up and finish. Right. Yeah. They wanted you done at the five year mark period because that's how they advertise it. You'll you'll be in and out of here engineering in five years. Yep. Period. Mm-hmm. And and I walked into class probably three days later. I walked into to one of our group project classes and I was like, Man, I'm gonna be hurting for money. I should I think I'm gonna get one of these 3D printer things and I could probably do something on the side with that. Yeah. And the guy I'm in a group with was like, Hey, I work at a 3d printer company. Come down there with me today and they'll give you one. <laughs> what? That's awesome. <laughs> what the heck? What dude? type of printer was it? What's the company? Yeah. Do you remember? So, the- so I went with them after school to robo 3d. Oh, I know. That. And, he, and I was like, so I don't have to interview or nothing. He's going to no, no, just come with me. And I was like, this is, this is kind of weird. I'm just going to walk in and, and work for a company. And he was like, yeah, trust me. And I walked in and I like, you think it was like a pyramid scheme or something. Did you think you were like about to get robbed? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was like, I'm going to go there. They're going to hand me a printer and I'm going to owe them money yeah, and time. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, there, there's all of this is wrong. And I kind of walked in and it was three dudes younger than me Yeah. and a warehouse top to bottom full of stuff. And they're like, what do you know how to do? It's <laughs> like, uh, 
I don't know what do you need? And they're like, can you solder? And I was like, yeah. So I sat down at a table and I just soldered probably 500 end stops that day. Oh, dude, are you serious? <laughs> I didn't know this. This is so cool. Is it was the weirdest. So I I jumped into Robo 3D. I think two weeks after they got their warehouse or something, they did a Kickstarter at the time. It was the biggest Kickstarter ever. Yeah. So they came out of it, I think three quarters of a million dollars in orders. Wow. They came out of a garage and they were in this warehouse and trucks were coming in just full of stuff and they needed to ship it. <laughs> so that's what they were like. You, you put in enough time, we'll give you a printer. So I, I went in and I, I just, I started doing all, all the pieces and troubleshooting and everything. Yeah. It was super crazy. Is this still during your senior year of college? Are you still trying to finish up school while you started? Yeah. Here? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right at the end. And they were like, uh, you know, I was like, well, what, what kind of schedule? Like, what do you want? They're like as much as you can put in. <laughs> and I was like, well, what's the pay? And they're like, well, we'll give you a, we'll give you a printer when you put in enough time. I was like, okay. So <laughs> I basically went there full time. And my buddy that took me there worked like two hours a week. He was just trying to get a free printer. Yeah. I went there full time and because I was learning a lot. Like sure. it was hands-on. Yeah. Arduino was pretty new to me. Oh, you know, it's a 3D printer at, at that time. I don't even know what year that was, 2014. It was just fascinating. Yeah. So I, I got in there. I was doing side projects for people at school. Robo 3D just wanted their printers going and making stuff. So yeah. coming from college we were making super fascinating prints that they could post and everything Sure. versus like the Pikachu or whatever. So it was all, <laughs> I could make a little money on the side. We had a big crazy printer at school. It was $500 a spool of filament right. to use. Some huge Stratasys thing. Yeah. So I kind of hung out in the shop and whenever it went in, anybody was talking about the, the 3D printer, I was like, Hey, <laughs> I might be able to do this for you for like 20 bucks. It's fun being the printer guy. So, it just kind of turned into this thing. And then, and then their, their success kept going and started to run into production problems. And I still hung out there full time. I'd never gotten my printer, but I didn't need it because I had a, a room full of printers. Sure. They were having production problems. And the, one of the guys was going to China to figure out how to make them show up better. Right. And I was like, hey, um, I just graduated. I got some time on my hands. You want me to help you since I'm the only engineer in this situation? <laughs> and... And we flew over there. I think we stayed there for three, a little over three weeks. We were supposed to be there like five days or something. Yeah. We stayed because the issues were, the issues were crazy. And that part right there, I think going to China and see, seeing how everything worked yeah. was key to making this all happen. Right. If I didn't go there, I, I would have been frustrated or wouldn't understand the situation and how, how like this kind of business works. This is so very different there. Yeah. So like, it was cool. I learned all that, came back. And they got me a job because, you know, that still they were paying me like, I think I started, I got on the payroll going to China. <laughs> so it was minimum wage. And at the time I was just thinking I'm learning. And then I, I, you know, at one point I was like, Hey, this, I got this idea for a CNC machine. I think the shape Oko, it just kind of started. Yeah. But before that was Lumen Labs. So I was like, Hey, I want to, now that I know how this works, I want to make a CNC machine. They're like, Oh, we don't have time. We're busy with printers. <laughs> And, and so one of the guys got me in an, uh, an interview. They went to a trade show and met up with a company that was trying to buy a printer. That company was a medical product design house. Mm -hmm. And the one guy was like, hey, we've got somebody working for us that did not be making minimum wage. So I went over there and did real design for a year or so. At the medical device company. What, how long were you at Robo3D? Like after like you finished school, 
you went to China for those three weeks and th- they brought you on truly and started paying you. Like how long was that period of time? I think maybe a year. Okay. It's hard. It's a little fuzzy because yeah. you kind of want to block it out. Like, oh, I'm working for free. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I was kind of working hard for free too. Right. But it was fun. You know, there is a young company, little startup. So we'd barbecue at lunchtime half the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hang out with people after work. There was a, a brewery down the street. So like Fridays, it was like, let's go hang out for an hour and vent about all the weird stuff that's happened. <laughs> yeah. So it was the whole time though, I was thinking, man, I'm learning more here than I did kind of in school, right? In yeah. school, I learned the math stuff. There I learned business and like big money business. Yeah. And then programming. One of one of the kids there was like 17 and <laughs> yeah. he taught me programming yeah. <laughs> on a whole different level. He opened up Marlin and was like, oh, check this out. I made a, you know, I made the, the bed home in a weird way or something. I was like, wait, how did you do that? And so then <laughs> we all started kind of digging through Marlin and that's, I learned to program with Marlin. Wow. Really? That's nice. so yeah, in, cool. In school, in school, they taught us like, you know, uh, matrices and all the crazy programming, but yeah. like, you don't do math like that. Yeah. So uh, I learned Marlin and that was, I mean, that's, that's when I felt like infinitely powerful. Right. You could, if like you decided you little, wanted to make something, you could just choose to create it. Oh yeah. And we did, we would be yeah. sitting there and we're like, Hey, we're going to throw LEDs on this thing and we're going to make them change colors. And then, then you can program equations and how the color changes. And we had as many steppers as we wanted <laughs> sensors. Like if we had a cool idea, Robo was willing to pay for it so yeah. we could try it so yeah. they could have something else to show. Yeah. It was like the ultimate playground. And I learned so much. And then, you know, it's kind of, they, they were just like, you really shouldn't be doing this. Like you've actually graduated. Everybody here is either a business owner or like 17. So you're, <laughs> can't get you in on the business. So you should probably. So did they kind of tell you, dude, you, there's not more growth for you here. Was that kind of the, the narrative there? It, yeah, I got it. They took kind of two paths. One way they they wanted to copy other people, which I didn't want to do. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't want to be that. Yeah. And they're like, no, literally make ours do this exact thing. And I was like, why don't we do it this way? So that part I didn't like agree with. Yeah. And then the guys that kind of saw my perspective were like, dude, we met this company. They're looking for somebody that specializes in 3D printers and they're doing the job you really want to be doing. Yeah. Because at that time I'd a lot of my parts ended up on the production machines, but yeah. like they were so basic. But then getting into getting into the medical side, I saw even bigger budget projects and how the real production cycle works and, you know, like mass large scale projects. You know, if you're prototyping this stuff, but when it's done, they're going to make 300,000 of them next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like the stakes were higher before it was like, hey, make this thing. We're going to send it off to China. and They'll do some testing on it and see what they think. This was, hey, it's your job to make sure this is right because they're going to spend a ton of money and make them. Wow. So, so like it was a, a different thing and it was my dream job. I loved it. Yeah. I loved everybody there. I loved the work, the the schedule, the time, the location. I mean, you could come out the back shop window and the ocean was there. So <laughs> we could surf on lunch break. Wow. So it was a, like, a, there was nothing about it I wanted to leave. Yeah. But you don't work there anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, so is is this now leading into V one stuff after after this job conclusion? Yeah, that was like the how I got the confidence. I think to to throw it all away. Yeah. I guess. Uh-huh. Just sitting there and and on the weekends, like 
I make stuff. So I'd go home and I'm like, I learned how to do new things in CAD and I know how to do different processes now. And I'm going through everything. So I started making that CNC machine I was talking about a year or two before. Yeah. And just on the weekend, one new part would show up on my table and I slowly built it on a kitchen table with every intention of making it injection moldable, full scale, first shot. Really? So you were kind of working on this as a side project at the medical device company. While you were working there and loving that job, you were starting to work on the MPCC. Yeah, but I'd go home on the weekends all pumped up from like, I mean, I, I worked in this creative hot pot. Like yeah. he, everybody there was doing some weird random stuff and working on the cool projects at work. So yeah. you just, you'd leave amped like, oh, what what can I do? So <laughs> I just kind of learned stuff at home on the side. And then I, and the CNC, I was getting sent from that company to a CNC place to get parts made. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, some of this stuff we should just make here. Like I was like, I'll whip up a CNC machine real quick and we'll do at least the foam blanks here. Yeah. Like no big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just, it was the weirdest thing. I made it and it was super fun. I learned a bunch I made it. And I came in, I was like, dude, check it out. I made this machine. You can kind of make it any size. And the, the, one of the engineers was like, cool, let's, can we carve a surfboard with it? (laughs) And I was like, I was like, I don't know right now. It's like, two foot by two foot, but sure. Cause I walked in saying, I made the CNC machine. You can make it any size you want. And he goes, let's make a surfboard. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but maybe. And then, and then it was just kind of, you know, work got busy and this thing worked. So I was kind of doing projects on the side and I put it on Thingiverse and it exploded. On Thingiverse. That's where you, that's kind of where you launched it to the world. I don't know. I got so many emails. I don't, I, I don't even know why it was so different. It was just I made sure everything was easy to get yep. and there wasn't a super crazy bill of materials and everything that you could 3D print, no supports. At the time, everything had supports and yeah. the models were, I mean, at that time, Thingiverse was full of square boxes. Yeah. Everything was made <laughs> up of cubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One trick ponies, open scad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Everything was customizer. It was, yeah. it was a very different landscape. So I think my stuff looked a little different and it was the first functional thing to make. Like yeah. there was a lot of Pikachus at the time. There mm-hmm. was just <laughs> whistles. I remember there was a lot of whistles and Pikachus. <laughs> there, there wasn't really much on Thingiverse in, in 2014 and 15. It was like a tool, like a practical yeah. thing you could use. It was kind of an era yeah. where the first real chance to have like desktop fabrication be viable was like the printers became reliable enough. Like you could print tools that were useful. Like we were past like printing shot classes and tchotchkes right around there, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a, yeah. a great, I forget who wrote it, but there's a great blog post about like the three phases of owning a 3D printer. And the first one is you print a lot of little tchotchke crap and like a lot of little keychains. And then the second yeah. one is you design your own tchotchke crap and you print a lot of your own little tchotchke crap. And the third is you start designing tools. You start making things for yourself. You make, I need yeah. a place to put my toothbrush in the bathroom. I'm going to design and print a toothbrush holder and like actual like that's not a gr- super practical example, but you know what I mean. Like a, a CNC machine. I made a toothbrush holder. I entered a I entered a printables contest with a toothbrush holder. Did you so actually? whatever. <laughs> yeah. I say that because that was one of the early practical things I printed too. <laughs> that yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. place to put a toothbrush. But those are kind of the three phases, and it feels like the 3D printing community holistically had not gotten to stage like two or three yet at that point. You know, I think the mostly printed CNC really showed people what you could do with a printer yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yep well the, the right before that like on our lunch breaks at robo we would fly little quadcopters yeah 
And at the time though, the, like the ones you built were, were big, were yeah. really big. Yeah. So my buddy was doing that and you know, he'd fly it and break it. And so I'd go in and I'd CAD something up and we'd print apart. Yeah. And then I made the mostly printed, uh, mostly printed quadcopter or something like that. Yeah. And I made it and he flew it and broke it. And then I made a new one. And that's why the CNC is called mostly printed CNC. Cause I just was like, oh, it's mostly printed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so that, I mean, the quadcopter itself kind of got of a lot of attention because we used all the stuff everybody's using at the time, same right. batteries, controller, motors. Yep. And like, what is that? $2 in plastic right. versus, I don't know, whatever it was, 60 bucks for a carbon fiber thing that broke just the same. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah. I don't know. I put it up there and, and I got emails and a lot of them were like, Hey, there's kind of a lot of parts there. Like, can I just buy it from you? And I was like, nah, man, I'm busy. And then they just, they would keep emailing. I just get these emails like, well, what does it take to buy it from you? And then one guy's like, Hey, I'm going to live around the corner. It looks like from you, <laughs> do you have any spare parts? And I was like, probably have enough for a second one. And he goes, I'll take it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he came over and we kind of went through my room and like scrapped everything together. And I was like, this should be enough wire. That's enough motors. And I got a spare ramp sport. Here you go. Wow. So that was your first sale. Was a dude hit you up from Thingiverse and was like, bro, I live near you. Can I just buy some spare parts off of you? Yeah, whatever you got, I'll take it and then I'll get, go get the rest. That's incredible. Yeah, because I worked at Robo, had all kinds of spare parts because right. they were, the, anytime a printer was too busted, it was like, you guys can have it. Take yep. off whatever you need or whatever. Yep. And then I, I had finally got my 3D printer. So I was printing at home. Yep. And then when that guy bought that deal, my buddy that was still working at Robo, came over with another scrap printer for me. It was like, Hey, we got a, we got another one. You need one? Sure. And you know, fix it up. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well maybe I'll sell the printed parts. Cause at that time, not very many people had printers. Right. I shouldn't have done that. Cause as soon as I did that, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I just, I was sitting at work one day in my email inbox, just <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of emails. And then I entered a bearing contest. It was just like a design contest. Uh-huh. And it was, it was a popularity contest. Like, Hey, they, you used our bearings, you know, whoever gets the most likes on their project wins. So I told my friends and they all put it on Facebook <laughs> and I won. And then that was five, a uh, $5,000 win. Wow. Nice. And I was like, well, I mean, I did win an international design competition. So maybe <laughs> right? it was all this, like building my confidence. I knew what I was doing. I had the background. I, I was getting paid to do this kind of work. Yeah. And then I won a contest. And my email inbox was flooded with people trying to throw money at me. Right. And I just was like, no, I'm, I'm working my dream job. I'm not going anywhere. Mm. I don't have time for that. And then I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, one day I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I got like 1500 emails in my inbox all about this machine. And, you know, we'd all, we all talked about it at work. I'd show my new parts to the people that I was working with and they'd, you know, give design critiques. And then I was just like, Hey, I, I think maybe I should try this out for a little while. Yeah. My boss, Andy, he said, you know what? I can tell you're passionate about this and you're focused on it. And he goes, if you quit at the end of this project, I will give you a raise if you ever need to come back. <laughs> I was hoping you'd tell this story. I love this so much. He was like, get out of here and try this. <laughs> but if you don't come back or if you don't leave, you're not going to get a raise. <laughs> what a good boss. Like, all right. And then, and yeah. then he was like, but at the same time, I don't think you're ready. He's like, you're, 
you shouldn't leave until you have somebody on the payroll doing most, most of that kind of work. Hmm. They could, you know, the packing boxes that you're going, that you're leaving here to do, you should have an employee before you leave. Really? So did you then go down that pathway? But, or did you just say, nah, never mind, dude, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm still going to quit and try and try and make it work just me. Yeah, because, you know, I instantly looked at the path of what Robo did, right? Do I rent a commercial space? Right. And then I got to hire people. And then at, at that time, they were like trying to figure I was there for all of it. They were trying to figure out insurance and <laughs> Aflac or something at one time to try to... <laughs> Cause it, you know, it all had to be legal, but it, it wasn't, it was just a bunch of kids in a warehouse. And right. every time a consultant would come in, they're like, holy sh- you're going to get sued. Like you can't do this. <laughs> and so then, you know, like every month or two, we'd have some new actual policy in place. And I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. And like, I was buying parts off eBay and reselling them. So I had no business doing that. Cause I knew even robo, they were buying full containers, getting them shipped in. And they were still like, okay, that pays for five people. I was like, a couple of boxes from eBay is not going to pay for one person for sure. Right, right. Did Robo not have that high margins? And that's why I could only pay for five people? It was the Kickstarter. That Kickstarter, they sold too low. They didn't expect, right? They, They didn't get the pricing right. Yep. So they sold all those units. And when the first one started rolling in, Every other one had to go to a a new fresh sale to pay the bills. So it was yeah, okay. One went to a backer and one went to a a full paying, and that's the only way it made it. Right. Once they got through the the backers, then everything they got a new space, a bunch of new people. But at the time, it was it was slim, and there was a lot of mistakes made. And right, consultants came in that weren't really worth their money, but. You had to pay them anyways. Consultants. What? Why? Why were they bringing consultants in? It, it was just. I, it was just so much money and so big, and people started getting. I don't know what you'd call it. Politely rude on <laughs> Kickstarter. Where's Where's oh. my product? Oh, I see. Because okay, at okay. that time, Kickstarter was pretty new as well, so yeah. people didn't know you could get burned. Right. So they, you know, they were just like, "Hey, they're coming in and they're putting up pictures like they're here." We're chipping them out slowly, yep. but they also kind of weren't telling them they were rolling out the other ones as well. Yep. And then, and then it was like, look, this is the only way to do it. We're going to be upfront and honest. Like it's the only way this is going to happen. Yeah. You guys got them for half price. You're just going to have to wait a little longer. Yep. Yep. But I mean, it was, they weren't deceitful or anything. And, and like all that stuff is why I learned like, maybe, maybe that's not the way I want to do this. And when I made it, they were like, Hey, you should go to Kickstarter. It's the easiest way to get some money to start. Yeah. And I was like, or I just buy stuff on eBay and inch my way out of this hole. Right. So you had had you had that five grand that you won from that competition that kind of made you go, all right, I have a little capital. Yep. Your boss was like, get the hell out of here. Give this a try. Yep. So you you went a full, I'm just going to bootstrap this. I'm going to sp- take this five grand, try and turn it into 10, try and turn it into 15 and kind of sell some, take it in, flip it around, go back out. And, and you decided to to keep that lean and be able to bootstrap, not hire someone to do that process. Yeah. I sold almost everything I had. I was, I told my buddy what I was doing. He goes, Hey, I have a spare room. You want to rent it out for a while and a garage. And I was like, well, how much? And it was like a third of what I was paying in San Diego. So I sold everything. Wow. Backed up all the money and I moved up to the back to the Bay area. And it turns out that it was a very small room. 
and <laughs> in a very small garage, but it was, it was enough. So I just took what I had and I ran with it knowing the whole time I was like, ah, next month when this doesn't work, I'll go back to my other job. Maybe yeah. I'll actually get a raise out of it. <laughs> and so it's just kind of, I like had a safety net in a way, but yeah. like I had thrown everything. I was just like, I'm going to try it. You still the took only a way huge to do leap. You sold a bunch of stuff. You moved up north. You rented this room. You you still doubled down. I mean, you had that net, but that was still a huge leap to make that choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it doubled. I think every month it it doubled for like a year and a half. Of how many orders? Yeah. Were you doing like full kits at this time? Like the, you sold that like one random guy that hit you up and then you started selling printed parts and you got all those emails. Did you have like a formal web page where you were selling them at this point? Like how, how was the money coming? How are you like structuring it? Oh, uh, how did I start that? <laughs> I think the first five. Yeah. Like I remember I, I put up yeah. the money out of pocket to buy five sets, right? Five power supplies, five steppers, yep. some hardware and a bunch of wire. I think at that time you even crimped your own, or maybe I even bought them from Robo, some, some wiring harnesses. Yeah. And I, I got five of them and I was like, Oh my God. This is so much money. Like, who's <laughs> going to buy these things? And I mean, they probably sold in a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> and then I made 10 kits. I mean, I took that. I, I literally took whatever that was, put in some more money and bought 10 kits worth. Yep. And I did it again. And that's, I think at about that time when I sold the 10 kits is when I kind of told my boss like, hey, I don't know, man, these are going as fast as I can sell them. And he goes, hey, you sold 10 maybe this isn't the time to leave. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> they sure are flying off the shelf. Wow. Okay. So how, where are all these people coming from? Is this literally all just from Thingiverse and that's where they're finding it? I think so. At, at that time, I'm pretty sure it was Thingiverse. And then I put up a, um, maybe a WooCommerce shop, right? Cause it was free and it was easy. Yep. And I, no, no, no. It was a, a PayPal link. I made a web page <laughs> and I put a PayPal link on there. If you want to buy these, it was whatever, 180 bucks or something. And it was a PayPal link. Was it just like a link in the Thingiverse description? Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, the... yeah. That's it. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That is brilliant. If that's where all these eyeballs are already seeing it, just grab them right there. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. Because I was watching the the views, the views and downloads and everything on Thingiverse, and they were just insane. And I had something to compare it to. I was at Robo3D and I had access to their Thingiverse account. Right. And I was like, I'm blowing that out of the water. Wow. And you know, it was like, it was pretty crazy just seeing, and it, it was all easily sourced. So like most people didn't buy it from me. I just knew there was like a thousand of these things out there that I didn't touch. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is too cool. Yeah. And then, and then there was the guys that were just like, I want to buy it from you. I was like, ah, it's cheaper if you just buy it yourself. And they're like, yeah, but that takes time. Let's just buy it from you. Yes. Yeah. It's like, okay. If you want to give me money to give you this thing that I just did this. It's, it's really wild how much sometimes people just don't want to do that. They just want to yeah. throw money at the problem and solve it. And, and it sounds like realizing that was a thing that took some time. I, I know for me, certainly it felt that way too, of like, who would just, who would pay us just to do this sourcing work? But people do <laughs> like, that's a whole market, you know, that was the part that kind of got me okay with selling it. Cause I was like, yeah. there's at this point, I can't buy enough to like, be cheaper than everywhere else. And then the people were like, yeah, but it takes, like people were convincing me it takes time. And what if we get the wrong part? And we, as long as you're close to whatever it costs, I'll just get it from you. It's easier. Yep. And then I know everything fits. And I was like, oh, yep. oh, oh, that's how a business works. 
I get it now. I just fought it. I fought it so hard and I, I just didn't want to do it that way. And then, and then I put up like the, the actual WooCommerce site with a couple of options and some parts. I was like, oh, this, this could work, I guess. Some people just want to buy the pulleys that I have. Some people want to buy the whole kit. Like I get it. And, and I don't know, I, I didn't want to do it. I'm, I'm not a good businessman. I don't, if I can't give you a good deal, I don't want to do it. Like right. yeah. people try to buy conduit from me. They're like, oh, just ship me conduit pre-cut. And I'm like, the shipping on that's ridiculous. You go to your hardware store, it's $12. Yeah. If I ship it to you, it's probably $100 in shipping plus my time. Like, like yeah, we'll buy it anyways. And I just won't do it because to me, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But they're willing to pay for it, but sure. I, I don't want to do it. Right. Is it because it feels impractical or like, or you don't want to have to do that step or like what about that? It feels wrong. Okay. Taking that much money from somebody for like, if you're going to make a CNC machine, you should be able to cut conduit with a hacksaw. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like where I draw the line. (laughs) If I send this to you and you're worried about cutting conduit, this probably isn't the right project for you. So it's right. Maybe it's some sort of filter. This isn't for you. It's a litmus test to see if, if, is is this actually a good thing for you? That's really interesting. That's a toughie for me. Yeah. I think about, I ran a a university makerspace and we would get one purchase approved and we'd want to buy the whole thing from one place going to get that pipe would have been annoying because then we have to get an expense approved for Home Depot. Yeah. So there's, there's merit to getting it all in one shop, but like shipping something as long as pipe across the country. When everything else is a small part, did I can see why that'd feel really dumb. Yeah. And and yeah. also like it probably depends on who your customers are. Like, are most of them like home gamers that are doing CNC work in their garage and it's like you don't have to worry about like an expense program? Or is it are there businesses it, or you know, like who, yeah, who, who schools? Who, schools, a lot of schools. Okay. Yeah. Just like you know, some businesses they just want to get it all at once. Yep. And a lot of schools are like, just ship us everything. Yep. I'm like, there's just, it's not feasible. And yeah. I mean, it, uh, it just, it's a nightmare on my side when I know it's $12 on that end. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like the point of this is that part is 12 bucks and I don't have to ship a gigantic box. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It, it, it does make a lot, it's a lot cheaper. It makes more logistic sense across the board, you know? Yeah. It's the same thing. People want to buy fully built or, or mostly built machines now. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I have the same feeling and it's just at this point in time, CAD and CAM are still hard enough to where the assembly of this machine should be the easy part. If CAD and CAM somehow get a lot easier, then I'll have no problem sending a fully built machine. Okay. Because then, you know, you just kind of plug it in and go. Your guys' machine, what it's making is very complicated. Mm-hmm. So the people that are using it, they don't need to build a machine. They, they've gotten, you know, they can do that part. Right. So give them a tool to do the thing that they're using to make money. They, they right. need a tool right now. Mine is more of a, I think I'm still in more of the training phase. Like if you're getting this machine, you're making a project. Right. It's not an end product. Well, I mean, it is, but you see, you know, sanding and finishing and building, you're making something and, it, and you did that with CAD. So like, it's, I think it's still... At some point, maybe maybe there would be a, a fully built machine, but I still don't think. I think there's other hurdles people need to worry about First. and save the money on the on the build. So it's it's not only the logistics of you know you don't want to necessarily deal with the fully assembled and the shipping the conduit and all that stuff, but it's also like you want to make sure that the people that you're taking money from 
the the thing you're sending them it's right for them. They're going to be successful yes. with it. They're going to be happy. They're not going to be like, well, I bought this and it wasn't at all what I expected. And it now I'm unhappy yeah. with this. Like you're trying to keep people stoked about the fact that they bought it too. make it right for them. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I turn people down all the time. They, they ask for very specific things and I'm like, this probably isn't for you. Yeah. And honestly, there's probably not a CNC machine that out there for you at this point. Like this <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't because <laughs> you know, they're like, Oh, send me everything I need to cut aluminum. Well, this probably isn't for you. Like, you know, like, yes, that would be neat. You want to make race car parts or whatever. But if, if your only goal is aluminum, you're 80,000 plus for a machine that that's what it's built to do. This will do it. It'll get you a prototype that you can validate. And then you send it off and get them made in mass quantities. This is a prototyper's dream come true because it doesn't cost much, but Production for metal, no. Production for wood and plastic, hell yes. People do it all day. Sure. And I mean, now when people ask about steel, a lot of us have one that's built into a plasma cutter. So kind of, yes, it can do steel. If you want to do a lot of steel, plasma cutter for sure. Plasma cutter is not quite as clean for aluminum. It'll do it. But mm-hmm. like, so steel is make a plasma cutter. Aluminum is this is really good for validating a prototype. Everything under that, this is the best bang for the buck. It took me nine years to get to that realization is that's what this is. That was my next question was like, did the fact that you have realized that there's like a very specific market that you want to be sending this to, did it take a while to find that out? Like, did you, did people originally say, I want to cut aluminum with this? And you're like, uh, okay. And you still kind of entertained yeah. it. And then you saw, so you've always been like, no, this is knowing very much what this is and making sure it only goes to those people. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, this aluminum is the final step, it does it fantastically, but you're not going to do it day one. There's, yeah. there's a lot to learn between here and there. Yep. And then there's a lot of guys that just keep trying to prove me wrong. Here's how fast <laughs> I can cut aluminum. Yeah. So I, got, I come from the CNC world too. And uh, my joke is anything can cut anything if you go slow enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what it is. They say, can this do this? The answer is yes, but no. yes asterisk 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 (laughs) yeah and it turns out all this time later it is actually pretty easy now that we know a a good roadmap to get there yeah but i still won't pitch it that way yeah wooden plastic for sure metal is for the pros yep it's so much about expectation management to you you want to make sure people know what they're getting otherwise they'll be upset and that's the difference between happy customer on happy customer like the machine could be the same but just making sure they know what they're getting into yeah. Yeah. My whole deal is under promise over deliver. Yeah. Any numbers you ever see me post or speeds or times or any of that is you should be able to do this. Yeah. And then every once in a while, I'll be like, this is how far I have been able to push it. Yeah. And very clearly, this is a speed test. I was trying to break things, but check it out. And then people will be pretty happy when, oh, I screwed up and my my depth of cut was three times what I thought it would be and nothing happened. It worked just fine. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I was like, yep, yep. That's, how, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's good. I don't, I, I just don't want to oversell it. I want everybody to get it to be pleasantly surprised when it's easier than they thought. It does way better than they thought. Yep. And they can crank up all my speeds way more. Right. I used to limit the firmware. If you oh, wanted yeah. to go faster, you had to actually edit the firmware so it was like a, you know, another, I'm not going to let you screw this up for me. Right. <laughs> if you want to do it, you have to know you're doing something. And now I've kind of turned it up and I just ship it default. This is what you should cut at, but you can go faster. 
That's awesome. So I, when you now you have a ton of people out there that have this machine, either having built it themselves or bought a kit from you, and you have a a community of people. Yeah. So as the machine design has changed, as the direction of V1 has continued, you are still the as the Python Guido Van Rossum, the uh, malevolent dictator idea. You are still in charge of the whole program here. How yeah. has the community informed that? How do you communicate with them? How do they roll things back in? Like, what is that? What does that look like for V1 and the NPC and C? My God, they're the only reason I'm still doing it. <laughs> because it, every day, I mean, literally every day, if you look at my logins, I don't think I've ever missed a day checking in on the forums. Yeah. They're either making something that's getting me creatively excited or they're telling me where I screwed up or they're pushing me to do something mm-hmm. or there's a nagging problem with something I did and it keeps showing up and and that's where I see it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I work by myself in a garage. Mm-hmm. None of my friends have any interest in any of this stuff. <laughs> so there's no outside there's nobody I can just kind of pick their brain live here. Yeah. But all these guys online, I was just like, oh, these are old carpenters in their garage. And I'm just picturing my dad, right? These are old carpenters trying to figure something out. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) These guys are all trying to make me feel really smart, but they're all highly overqualified (laughs) to be using my machine. And they all, most of them have access to gigantic machines at their work. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, you know, maybe if you tried this and I'm like, eh, whatever. And then eventually, you know, they'll just keep kind of poking at it. Like, Hey, why don't you try this? Nah, nah, nah. It's complicated. We didn't have end stops for years. Cause I was like, nobody's going to understand how to reset the zero or whatever. And like, it just, it just adds a, a step, one step. Yeah. I tell everybody just to move the head over right where you want it to start. The machine will zero at that point and go. And they're like, yep. eh, it's more accurate the other way. And it costs about a dollar. <laughs> and then I did it and nobody's actually complained about the end stops. Not a single yep. person. Yep. And I fought it for four years at least. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an add-on, you could do it. But it just didn't come by default. So so it sounds like it's a lot of you'll use communication with the community as kind of the the active roadmap of what should I be working on next? Is that fair to say? Oh yeah. I follow the excitement. Like if I had to be in here packing boxes every day, that would suck. They're like, Hey, I got this laser. Everybody at the first thing, the first thing everybody gets after they learn how to cut wood is a laser. Yeah. Yeah. I want a laser and cut stuff. Hell yeah. (laughs) So like we kind of went down that rabbit hole and then I had to learn more programming and optimization and there's so much to learn, but everybody was in on it. So it was me and 50 guys poking at code and playing with these different lasers. And, you know, they all bought a different laser. So we had learn all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it just, I'm just having fun with these guys. And for some reason, I'm the one packing boxes. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It, I think it would be scary to be a company. Ryan, I, I love that you say we here, because it's truly about the mostly printed CNC is truly about the community and you like working in tandem together. It's been awesome to see your forums and you using them as a sounding board. They're holding your hand through design challenges. Like it's a we thing here. Yeah, and totally. Awesome to see you like acknowledge that. It is. I couldn't do line support tickets. Like, no, if you, if you have a problem, you have to get in the forums. Yeah. And when people have questions, they, they, before they buy, I'm like, look, forums is where I'm going to handle all this, all this stuff. 
So ask your question there. And if it seems like it's for you, you'll know right away. Yeah. And it usually is because somebody will come in and say something snarky, but like in the best way. Yeah. There, there's never any like, you didn't even search. Nobody's <laughs> ever said that. Nobody's ever said newbie or search. <laughs> yeah. We'll give an answer and we'll be kind of snarky and you keep going. And it, it's just instantly like you, you fit in to people that want to do the same thing. Yeah. Yep. And I guess maybe if you don't, it's best you find out before you spend any money. Right. Yeah. 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 That's wild, dude. So, and uh, this is another thing I was going to ask you is about the uh, Zen XY and like the low rider and like all the other things that you've branched out into and, and the printer, all these things came from you going, I want to follow the excitement. People are working on this. Let me, let me pursue it and make this a, a whole thing. I'm sick of making a CNC machine. I'm going to make another CNC machine. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's the, uh, the MPCNC and the, I had moved out of that first garage into an apartment yeah. with that had in a garage. So I was, I was doing it there. And my very first weekend off after selling everything, moving, like I kind of worked for a year and a half straight, yeah. moved into this apartment. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm burned out. I've stared at code and parts and answered stupid questions a million times. I'm taking the day off. Yeah. And I took an MPCNC and I flipped it over and I stuck it to the bottom of an Ikea table and I drew in some dirt and I was like, <laughs> check this out. And I hand coded it in, in SolidWorks or something. I just made a pattern and I, you know, made the cam and it was just an MPCNC. Oh, you made, you made a shape that you like did cam on to make it. I see. Oh, okay. I was, I was so excited. I made a spiral in, in SolidWorks. I was like, man, nobody can do a spiral. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and then I took out all the Z moves and I made it draw a spiral in dirt. Right. And I put it on the forums like the next Monday. And then it was like, well, I want to buy a kit. You got to yeah. have some spare parts. And I was like, nah, we're not doing this again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it didn't come from the community doing something. It came from you that were one. like, I want to do something fun. And then you told people and they're like, I want to buy one, please. Just like the original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to make one. How'd you do it? And then I guess like that first week they're like, oh, I, I want to do it too. And I was like, yeah. So you go in CAD and this is how you do it. And then one of the guys that had been around a while, uh, Jeff, he was like, oh, that seems fun, but I don't want to do that in CAD. He wrote a website, Sandify, that's Sandify now. Yep. Yep. He wrote a website to make patterns for a sand table that only I owned. Wait, that was I, I that was made for specifically you? I think at the time it was literally just me. He's like, "Check this out." It's like, "Wait, what?" Wow, I didn't realize that. <laughs> it's it's been a while. There might have been two or three of us, but yeah. I think he I don't even think he had one at first. He was just like, "Oh, this is super easy to do online." And I was like, "No, it's not." <laughs> and he had a working pretty fully fledged working site quickly yeah and then it was like well now i sh i need to make these yeah yeah so the first one was an mpcnc ups upside down so people did they just flip theirs over and they'd use it yeah and then i was like well you don't need all this stuff for sand you just need two motors yeah so then yeah i quickly made an iteration the full the low rider is the full sheet version of an mpcnc because i got pissed off at people for making the mpcnc too big so that was another weekend project. I was like, I told you no bigger than two feet by two feet. And people are making them eight foot by eight foot. This is just stupid. Mad laugh. And I, it was like a purely like, Ugh, if you want to make a big one, here you go. And then 
that worked out. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I need to spend a little more time. So I quickly made a second version. Yeah. And then the printer was just, that was my roots. And I was using crappy printers at the time. So I made the first one. I, I don't even know if I released the first one. And then I've, I had iterated over the years from the very, the, the second, my friend's garage, I had made one there. Oh, wow. And then I'd iterated a few times and it was the same thing. A lot of these guys were just like, Hey, I know how to build your projects at these point, this point I've made five versions of the CNC. It's kind of fun just building it. I use it, but like the build process, there's like a, a lot of people that just like the build and then they're like, now what? Yeah. So it was the kind of the crossroads. Like at this point, a lot of people are asking, what do I do with it? Yeah. So then I was like, well, how do I make a pro- how do I make the thing averse of CNC stuff? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a whole nother, like I kept kind of poking at the the forums like, hey, anybody want to start a site that sells like CNC kits, project kits or something, you know, yeah. like a couple guys did. They uh, initially, some people made, make a 3D printed base and they'd sell like a nine volt adapter and a couple LEDs. And then you'd CNC out a clear piece of acrylic and edge light it. Oh, cool. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a, it's a carve. The carve is the funnest thing to do on a CNC. It's super fun to watch. Yeah. It makes a cool thing. I was like, this is cool. I don't have to do that anymore. Yep. That didn't go anywhere. But so my side projects turned into, well, if you've got a CNC and you don't know what to do, you should cut one of these 3D printers out. Interesting. Okay. So it, it almost kind of came as a place of like a thing, like a, a use case to show yep. people, hey, this is something you could use the machine for. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, also, like I as you talk about, there are these guys who are like, hey, I just want to put this thing together and I don't know what to do with it afterwards. To me, that sounds like someone that's willing to solve the problem of making a fully assembled CNC version. Like, could could you sell them bulk kits and then all they do is put the thing together, locally source their conduit and then they handle the shipping? You know what I mean? Like if there are people who are just like twiddling their thumbs, loving building your machines and you need machines built for the people that want to buy them, <laughs> that kind of check, or at the very least, even if you don't facilitate it, but like they have a web store where they can sell the assembled one after buying your, you know what I mean? Like maybe they can scratch each other's back. I'm totally in for that. If they support the people they sell it to, because true, yeah. the new person getting a machine that's pre-built for them is going to have a new specific set of issues. Right, that's true. So if there's some... I would love, I would love, I would absolutely love that because it would be easy for me to just send them in bulk. Here's 25 kits worth of stuff. Yeah. You do it all. And then I don't have to sort it and all that. I just, here's the stuff you put it together. Right. Easy. But it's that first, like, Hey, I've got this, this machine and it's crooked or this part's broken. I'm need, I'm going to send it back so you can replace it. Like mm, printed part, you're going to need to like do it yourself. Yep. So that's like the main reason there's a, a new set of troubleshooting. I don't want to be the one that says this is the ultimate beginner's CNC machine plug and play. Yeah. Robo 3D did that. They're like, this is the machine. You're going to get it to your house. You're going to plug it in and go. Yeah. And some people wouldn't even take out the packing foam and crash the machine. Yep. Because <laughs> they would plug it in, heat it up with a block of styrofoam in the middle, <laughs> heat up the, the, the extruder and the bed, no. and then try to home it. <laughs> oh, no. That's, oh, man. <laughs> so I know not to say like, plug and play out of the bot. Like, right. I just know the kind of people that buy plug and play might not, they might take that super literal. Yeah. Like plug it in and go. And, and it's, I don't think you also don't have as much control over, like you can't ensure that every MPCNC kit that goes out 
is to your quality standard. Like if some dude is just doing it on the weekends and like has a really crappy printer and doesn't really make the parts very well and like puts things together, not torqued down enough or whatever. There's an NPCNC going out there that has problems that you didn't have any control over it being made correctly, you know, and it's still probably yeah. under the name. I mean, it depends on how you'd structure this whole thing, of course, but you want to make sure that what you're putting out there is good, right? And if you don't have as much control over that with these people that are putting this thing together, if they happen to not do it right, that's you're putting stuff out there that isn't helping people, you know? Yeah. And I, I have somebody in Austria right now that sells printed parts. Mm -hmm. And so for him, every once in a while, it's like, hey, can you print out this test part and show me the measurements? Because the biggest thing is most printers have a Z skew that nobody ever thinks about. A lot of people check X and Y mm -hmm. and they'll be pretty far off and they're like, oh, it's fine. But like <laughs> a lot of printers built Z and they've never cared, never checked, whatever. They get it shipped and it's just off. Yep. So my parts are some of the biggest parts most people ever have ever printed. Right. <laughs> Other than like an Iron Man helmet or something and you'll never know it's off you by don't. a little bit. Sure. But yeah. a, a functional part when it's crooked, there's problems. Yeah. It could work. And any, it would be easy enough to like, Hey, print these test parts every month or two to make sure don't ever move your printers. And if you do print this part. Yep. And then every once in a while, here's some checks you should do before you ship them out. I think that part would be easy yep. to me. It's just, I want to make sure that they are handling the first two weeks of use. Yep. And yep. then after that, go ahead, funnel them back to me. But it's just that I want people to be happy with it. Yeah. And currently there aren't many bad reviews other than people that don't own them that say they won't, they won't or can't do something. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you, you don't, don't have know. one. So yeah. Why would you say that? Yep. But it's the internet. That, that makes a lot of sense. But people that do own them for the most part are just like, yeah, dude, it works. Yeah. You'd be surprised. When we started selling kits, uh, we had people print their own parts and we had a print we called the corn dog, which was <laughs> a, it was like a test print and we called it a corn dog because it had an internal 20 by 20 millimeter hole that you want to put an extrusion in. And you would do that to check and make sure that the extrusion would like fit in correctly. Cause oh. there's a lot of like printed parts that have extrusion. So it was kind of, it was literally like a corn dog and you had to have some extrusion that you'd put in and make sure it fit correctly. Um, and there was like all these different like press in uh, hex nut shapes and like self tapping yeah. and like pass through for M3 and M5 and like text resolution. And we had all these things and people would print the corn dog and check and make sure everything would work. And then they'd go and print all the parts to make sure that their printer was up to snuff and was able to, to make it. And that worked pretty well. But there, there was also, there were these folks that were printing parts for the Loom PMP. And at the time we were not selling a full kit. We were just selling the individual parts and we wanted to do kind of what you're doing where you also sell the printed parts as well. Yeah. And th this this group of folks were like, hey, we're, we could sell these for you and stuff. And we asked them for a sample and they were not good. It was parts. bad. They were really bad. <laughs> it was and bad. We, were, we were stoked. We thought maybe like we didn't even have to think about the printed parts and like these guys will just take care of it for us and we can just direct people here. They can own it. Yeah. And we got them in. And we're like, we can't put our name on this. Like these just aren't. We, we didn't even, I don't think we even used those parts to put together in a machine. No, some of them came broken and like the parts weren't even Ugh. from a given release. It was a little bit of a mix. Yeah, there. it was just pulled from GitHub. It wasn't on a release. It was, it was yeah, rough. It, so it wasn't, we, we totally yeah. hear that play of like single sourcing it. Yeah. Yeah. Single sourcing is, it's, it's nice to unify it and just have it all be together. It's not nearly as much now, but for a while it was like, if they're having issues before you kind of even answer a question, it was, can you put a picture up of some of your parts? And you would see some just mushy 
<laughs> like, wow, you, you're going to have issues. And then it would turn into like, let's troubleshoot your printer real quick. Yep. And we go through that. I have test parts for people to print, but they're so big. They're like, I don't want to waste four hours on this. I'm like, well, it's four hours on this or 150 hours on the rest of it. Yeah. And they still, but uh, the printers are getting better. Water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's there. It doesn't get used. It, for whatever reason, it is way better these days. Mm. way way better so the the pre-built printers must be a lot better or my designs like try to design around some of the flaws people couldn't get things straight so i'd make them differently mm -hmm. it's a you know it's always a it's always a fun problem it is how do you handle design feedback like when the community is like hey this part should change like do other people change cad or do they like modify your cad and then you roll it back in because this is one of the things that we've had the biggest headache with here is like we want to be able to accept community feedback, but it can be really hard to do that in a way that's distributed. So how does that, how does that work for your community? On the two CNC's, nobody has that full CAD, but on the printer and the, the Zen, the sand table, mm -hmm. that CAD's fully, fully out there mm -hmm. and nobody really touches it. They'll do their own thing, but they're not super stoked to share their like, ah, it's just screwing around. I don't know those models. I, it does what I need to, but it's not worth sharing. Yeah. So for the most part, they just tell me this or that. And I make a list of stuff to do in the next version. Or a lot of people have a problem with this embedded nut. I should change it a little bit. Okay. Beta test kind of pulls out all the obvious issues. The mm -hmm. first five guys or so that build it, the first yeah. five people that build it, they know to be super critical. And most of the time I'm like, screw you. I'm right. I'm driving this boat. <laughs> And then I end up changing the part anyways. <laughs> yeah. So it's mostly a feedback system where like, yeah, they they'll, they'll tell you what to change and then you own the actual changing of it. Yeah. But it's not a lot because yeah. that beta test, we, we do a bunch there. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, I don't like using a zip tie here or I want to use embedded nuts everywhere. And you know, for this reason we don't, or this reason we do, or all right, that's a big change on the next one. Yeah. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But it's never, there's not really much. Yeah. Like on the lowrider, since I've released it, I've changed two parts and both of them were just to give more adjustability on a part. So yeah, open a slot a little bigger for a different kind of end stop that went in, but like nothing major. Yeah. Luckily, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that good at CAD. And that when I get excited, I just kind of slap it together. And then <laughs> with the beta testers, we build it together. And like at that point, I've probably built it three times. Okay. And they're building one and they're just, that's like a fire hose of feedback. And they know sure. they've all built one before. And, and sometimes we get like a newer guy, mm -hmm. but it's like some vets and a newer guy. And that will give just that one round of beta testing kind of live, almost publicly knocks out 99% of the, the major So issues. you have like a dedicated beta testing group of folks that like, they they're the ones it's who reach volunteers out. okay so you say hey guys i have a new version whoever wants to beta test it with me here's how this program is going to work hop on yeah. board let's let's build one together here's what you're going to need here's the beginning docs blah 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 and then you just get the fire hose from those folks is that how it generally goes i put it out there and then i'll i'll bring everybody into like a a private forum mm. so we can talk amongst ourselves and then we kind of leak out the details as we go, like okay. what people are excited about. So it's not completely hidden, but it's definitely, there's definitely not much to see if you're not in the beta, but right. it's just, 
who's excited at the time, who wants to rebuild their stuff soon. Yep. So it's not, I don't like tap the same people on the shoulder. I put it out there and I see a lot of the same people will want to jump in, right. which is good. But then it's always good to get new blood in there. Cause once they see like, at that point, you're really allowed to dig into me. If you don't like something, you, you, you need to fight for it too. Cause I'll fight like, no, yeah. no, it's good for this reason. Yeah. You need to tell me why you don't like it. Yeah. Several times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it is a, do you do you find that keeping that beta group tucked away separate is good for like keeping the peanut gallery out and like not yes. having everyone try because if you're not building it you don't know necessarily like is that the merit to doing it that way yeah the forums get a ton of traffic yeah and people specialize in different things yeah and i can instantly start trusting somebody based on what they do or whatever and it yeah. might not fit the project right mm-hmm. but i'll trust them because they know more than me. Yep. But it, it, I just need, I just need to put the blinders on a little bit. I've done it myself. I need to see what they say. And they found huge glaring issues that I didn't see. And they find little stuff that's annoying. Yeah. And a lot of the times I fight them on it. Like, no, we're going to do it this way for this reason. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a good rebuttal, <laughs> that's how we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, do you find it hard to keep people like clued into like the spirit of the machine? Cause like one user might say, oh, it should have ball screws and linear rail. Oh, like, God. Oh, no, that's not what this is about. Yeah. Do, do you have to like give them general design guidelines of like anything outside of this scope is not up for debate? Like this is generally yeah. how we're choosing to do it. Your 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 edits have to be within this smaller scope. Did you, is my eye twitching right now? Did you said <laughs> ball screws. I figured it would. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like Chris talking about rollers instead of linear rails. Yeah, how about the too. single part that costs as much as the rest of the machine? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> at first, at first it was end stops. I was just like, no, for this reason. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Here's how to put them on. I sell them. I use them. Here's how to use them. But I'm not. It's if you want these, you're buying them separately. Period. Yeah. And then I added those, and then it's always in the background. Somebody's always like, oh, this will never work without a ball screw. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, so I actually, I don't know if I want to say this, I've actually made the lowrider, it would fit ball screws everywhere if it needed to. Yeah. I was just going to put it out there like, you want to do it? You tell me what your price tag is when you're done, but here's how to make it happen. And then I decided not to do it. Everybody says, has to be NEMA 23s and it has to be ball screws. So the lowrider 3 is the newest one. Every single place that has room for a 23 and a ball screw. And I've never said that publicly, <laughs> but it, it's, it's there. And it just shows like, this is what they think or what they've read or what, then they'll fight. They will fight for 23s. It has to be 23s. Yeah. I'm like, funny thing is I sent you a machine and I've undervolted every single one of those steppers at least 20%. So if you think <laughs> you need more power, you can. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to upgrade the motor. It's just like, what's the pragmatic answer? What are the numbers? Like, what, can it do what you think it will with it? That's the only thing that matters. The, the people's gut yeah. check of like, it has to be 20. What did, what did the numbers say? That's really the thing that matters here. You know, when people really start pushing, you, you just tell them the real numbers. Like if, if you're cutting aluminum with a bigger end mill quarter inch or so, a nine pound load would be a lot. Yeah. And the, these steppers have no issues. I, I did a video, I put 20 pounds on it and it was doing, it was doing pushups. <laughs> like, look, it's it's fine. Like, there's no yeah. the issue at this point is rigidity. 
Yeah. And, and that's for all the machines until you get into a big cast iron machine. Yeah. We're all going to fight this little, the, the initial flex. Yeah. They'll hold up. They can push a bunch of weight, but that initial 16th of an inch is what's really what we're actually fighting. And they're like, oh, you know, it doesn't move here. And it's like, no, it's that little vibration that kills it. It's not the big move. It's not the power of the motors. It's that little teeny flex that you can't get rid of without, I don't know. Cast iron. <laughs> yeah. There's no replacement for math. Yeah. Yeah. It's days. tough to fight physics. <laughs> yeah. When I have to, I try not to push numbers, but I just kind of tell them like, look, you want to do that. Look at the loads on aluminum. Nine pounds is kind of hard to hit. Yeah. And that's these, ste- the steppers can easily handle that. Like if you want to break down the power, all this stuff can handle way over that. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're fighting. And then they'll start to get it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. All screws. Well, they're slower and really expensive. <laughs> and then you got to ship them. Those are the two biggest. Two big ones. We have one with uh, our feeders. Like every uh, position you can put the feeder onto the machine, it has uh, an ID. So when the feeder talks back to the computer, it knows where to find it. So you can pull a feeder out of slot one and move it to slot 16, and it knows to go to the new position. Oh. So you have to have the slot be smart in some way to know what position it's at. So the feeder can be like, Hey slot, what position am I at? And it knows. Yeah. And if I had a nickel for every different suggestion someone gave me for how to have the slot, have an ID, I'd have a lot of nickels. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've weighed probably two, a uh, two dozen different options. And the one people usually give us is of a, a voltage divider with a couple of resistors. Cause it's really cheap. And with one analog pin, you can read it. Well, if you do the math out on 256 positions, because that's the address space of our protocol, across 3.3 volts, you get to like 0.12. You need 0.01% resistor accuracy resistors that are like really expensive. It's crazy. So we just use a one-wire EEPROM, and it just solves the problem. And it's so easy. It never has a problem. But what we ended up doing, because we had so many people coming into our Discord talking about this, is on every GitHub repo, we have a markdown file that's just called design decisions. And anytime we have any kind of discourse of a thing that's been beat to hell, I write a big old paragraph about it in design decisions to explain, here's my math. Here's our, this is why we did it this way. And anytime someone brings it up again in Discord, I have a, you know, like the me six Discord bot, I have like a a bang design decisions. And you just type that and it'll post, hey, read the design decisions for feeders or whatever. And it just offloads all of that discussion back to a place where people can go back and read it. And sometimes people are like, hey, you didn't think of X. And we're like, we didn't think of X. (laughs) And that's good because I don't have to reiterate all the stuff that we already tried. If they go, oh, you didn't try this thing. Good. They know the status of of what we've looked at already. So any suggestion is going to be new if they've read it. And it, dude, it works so good. It's such a good system. And it helps calibrate them to contribute towards the landscape we want there to be. Exactly. Yeah. And not fighting you. Like they they know what, what's important to us. Cause some people will be like, Oh, who cares about the position? We decided early on, we want the feeders to know where they are. That's not up for debate. That's how the system works. So yeah. based on that assumption, if you have new suggestions, great. But you know, it's, it's interesting to weigh that. So yeah, it's a tricky one. <laughs> I, I heard you guys say that on one of the podcasts and I didn't ever relate it to what I was doing. And now in the forums, we have hot words. Like if you put in milling basics it's mostly for us when somebody's asking a question it's like oh that's on the milling basics page and it it hot links it yeah i think i'm gonna do that for ball screws and nema 23s 
or just 23 and it'll if they bother to type it it's gonna hot link their word then what's this that's a <laughs> it's great i i literally don't think since we've written this design decisions document i was in the airport i remember when i did it. i don't remember where i was flying but it was probably like six months ago or something i don't think we've had a single person come in and discuss the addressing system since um it's great. It's a good way to just kind of immortalize why we did things the way we did, and you don't have to keep reiterating it. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I love seeing yeah. our. We have really smart users, really passionate people in the community, and it it lets them put their mind towards something that hasn't been fully hashed out yet. Right, because <laughs> they may not have all the constraints in mind when they're thinking about how to solve the system. So if we can help them get up to speed really quick, it's just better for everybody. They can put their brain towards something that we already haven't ruled out for some good reason. And if they think we ruled it out for a bad reason. We put all our math in there, too. Yeah. We have all of our consideration yeah, yeah. in there, too, so they can assess, like, was this decision made well? So it's great. I highly recommend doing it, dude. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, that'll definitely be worth it. I also really want to hear about, this is a, a, one of the things that I think makes us very different in how we've gone about doing this building a, a printed machine thing is hiring. And I would love to hear about, I, we talked about this at Open Source a bit, but it's just you and you move kits you you pump out kits but it's just you in your garage and you keep up somehow and we have seven eight people on staff or something like i know you've hired one person a very specific person in particular (laughs) and i want to hear about that but why the decision to not hire you said earlier like that sounds like a big company thing and i don't want to do that why why this path of keeping it yourself I, I want to hear that whole mentality and 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 why you made that choice. Um, it's more fun this way. <laughs> the, the people that want to hang out and be excited and be a part of it are here for free. Like I don't give too much away. Like yeah, I'll, I'll give some things away here and there to, to some people, but it's it's at the core. It's just a bunch of people that like to build things. Mm-hmm. And most of them have the financial means to do it all by themselves or buy a different machine. It's just a good place. And if I get stuck doing HR and more gusto paperwork, it's <laughs> it takes away from it. And currently, most of the things I can do, I can pay a little tiny bit more and sub out. Yeah. Right? Just, just like using the payroll software, I can do yeah. it myself, but that takes time. Or I pay whatever it is, $40 a month, and I don't ever touch. Once a month, I just accept payroll or whatever. Do you use Gusto? It, we, we also use it, and we love it. Yeah. The accountant, the way he structured the company, he's like, this is what you need to do. And he's like, you can do it yourself, or you can do it this way, and it's 40 bucks. I never questioned it, and I was like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> if I can offload it, like I, I was paying, I was getting hardware, my nuts and bolts locally, and then I, I was getting in good with them. They were cool guys. And I was like, look, I need these bags, like a hundred a bag, whatever. Can you do it? And it took them a while and they found somebody to do it. And it's a big nightmare. I ended up doing it again myself. And then after open sauce, I bought the little screw counting machine you guys recommended. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It blew my mind of how easy it was and how less irritated I was at doing it. You know, like... <laughs> This is the grind that I shouldn't be doing that I should definitely hire somebody to do. It's not a lot. And it does kind of give me time to sit down and my hands are busy so I can kind of daydream of new stuff. But then I got that machine and it was really nice. So then I invested in a real one. So now I have one that counts and bags all of my hardware. 
and bags it. Oh, you got the good stuff. Oh, you got mm. the good one, dude. There's four years worth of bags up there because it 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 offloaded that whole. Now I'm like, I don't have to have somebody here to babysit them or check their work or whatever. Yep. And I'm instantly like, this thing's going to be bagging for me. It's cheaper than getting it done from the company. And now I have this time to do other stuff. I just don't have the right kind of company. I don't think to have more than one or two people. Like if I can do all this, if I bring in a second person, I'm doubling, well, almost doubling, whatever. Yeah. Just find a way to sub it out. Like until you get really big, it doesn't make much sense. Or you sell a fully built machine, right? I don't think I could, I would have the heart to sub that out. Like I would, if somebody was doing it, I would, I would probably fly out to visit them at least <laughs> once a year Yeah. to check. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's not fully open source for these CNCs, but being so easily sourced, people can do it themselves. That means I can do it myself. It's I I want to bring some people in. I think I I think I want to kind of offer some bounties for getting the documents a little more up to date or sure make them prettier or something. I have like contract spots. I think I want to want to poke into a little bit. Sure, yeah. But like uh, a building and insurance and people, it's a lot of time me not doing what I want to do. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's a like your pursuit of this. And this is the very first thing you said when we started recording was I've like I made the hovercraft in my backyard and like you like making stuff. And yeah. that's this is all suited towards you enjoying you follow the excitement with your development. You're just vibing. You're loving doing this and yes. removing that is antithetical to the point of why you started it. Is that is that true? Like it's it, oh, it's not yeah. about getting really big. That's stupid if you wouldn't have fun with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, then it would be another job and if it got to that point, I would go work for somebody else and let them deal with all that and just do the part <laughs> I like doing. <laughs> right, exactly. It, yeah. It, I would have to bring somebody in that wanted to do more of that side of stuff. Like the first employee would basically take care of their own paperwork and babysit themselves and write their own schedule. Like, and that's why I hired my mom for a little bit. She handled everything. Yeah. So she did like all the back of house, like office stuff. No, she, she was like, she was, I think it was COVID, you know, sitting at home. Like, you know, what are you doing? I was like, I'm slammed right now. And, and she's like, well, I'm kind of bored. Like, I've got this idea. And, and she would never, never let me pay her. But, you know, I was like, mom, if I don't pay you, the IRS is going to come after one of us. <laughs> and then she was like, all right, well, what, I mean, what, what's the minimum? I was like, at least minimum wage, but that wouldn't look right. I had to like trick my mom into paying her. And, but she loved it. She loved it so much. She was, you know, she was helping her son with his, his, yeah. his little company. <laughs> and she did a great job. She would call up sometimes stressed out. It, it, she was bagging the little touch plates and the magnets are three cents each. And yeah. they're little teeny grain of rice magnets. Yeah. <laughs> and she would call up just wetting bullets. Oh my God, I dropped one. I can't find it. <laughs> I was like, Mom, move on. Take it out of my pay. Take it out of my pay. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what oh, to do. Man. I was like, Mom, it bounced off the ground and it stuck to something. It's gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> Until you flip over whatever table you're working on, you're never going to find it. 
that's so cute that she's <laughs> so concerned about the, uh, the little three I, cent. I had to fire her because she was getting too stressed out about all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, Mom, Fired it's your mom. No. Yeah, I was like, this is supposed to be fun. And she's like, Well, I'm done and I just can't handle the stress. I was oh, like, poor okay. Thing. <laughs> And she did every every month. I would send her the uh, the box, and every month it was employee of the month, and I gave her a nice little certificate. Oh, that's so sweet, Ryan! Did and you really? She, that's great. Oh, every every time, and then I started doing it on the outside of the box. So when the mailman brought it over, he'd be like, "Oh, it's the employee of the month again." Oh my gosh, that's so sweet! I it bet was, she appreciated that so much. Oh yeah, it it, it just turned into something fun, and it yeah. actually did help the business. I'm still. I've still got two full boxes of the touch plate she made. So it's, she did, she helped a lot and it, yeah. it made me see like, I, I could keep somebody busy around here. Yeah. It, we'll see. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Listening to your podcast though, I'm seeing things a little differently and making some other choices. So it, it's, it's a maybe at this point, you guys are teaching me a lot. That's good to hear. I'm glad yeah. it's been helpful. I, I also really like the fact that you have such a clear picture about why you're doing this. Like, if it's not fun to manage people for you, then you're not doing that. And like, not just trying to do yeah. everything you can to grow really fast. And like, no, it should be fun, you know, and like growing, but keeping it fun and like not making it unpleasant for you. That should be the number one thing. It should be awesome. You know, I love that. That is the way that you are tackling it that's just such a great and i can sub things out controllably yeah. like yeah. i have somebody printing something on the other side of the world it makes sense they those people don't have to pay shipping from me yep art should be high quality yep what i'm doing can be subbed out for probably two years i had one guy running my running his build of my machine cutting yep. parts for me and sending them in and i was selling them yeah i paid him they paid me it it worked out so i, I can remote work this if I need totally. to do it, and it yep. turns out it's better for them not to be my employee, but to be my supplier or, or contractor or yeah. whatever. And then that way you don't have this like crazy expense on your books every two weeks to run payroll. And yep. it's not this huge. I mean, that's that's one of the largest expenses that we have here is paying people. It's yep. a lot of money to keep a whole workforce going and to not have that and just have something that if you need to turn off that valve, you can. With a, yeah, a, and it's not a supplier devastating. or a contractor, and it's not devastating, that's a huge boon to your flexibility. It also makes me think, like, if a lot of what you don't like doing about the business, like, the, the second person that comes on at V1 could be a CEO or, like, a, a COO, like, an operational person. Absolutely. And what they do is all that other stuff. And then other people are, like, dealing with all the stuff that you don't want to deal with, and you're just CTO or yep. lead lead engineer and then you it's still your engine and you still get to decide how it goes but you just get to spend all that time doing the fun stuff all day you know absolutely it, it, yeah and it would be because almost everybody else is better at business than me so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know dude your track record kind of says the opposite there <laughs> yeah you haven't gotten back to that job yet <laughs> yeah you haven't gotten back. How, when, when when did you leave when, when did you leave that job uh in 16 maybe uh oh okay no, no, so it it's been a minute dude <laughs> the end of 2015 it was there was an overlap i started this march 15th 2015 
And I think I left there in October. That's that's literally eight years from now. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, think eight and a half. Yeah, I wouldn't say that you're not a good at business, dude. You've been you've been building this thing just yourself, continuing to scale it up for eight years. You've been, that's insane, dude. Yeah. That's so cool. Every path it, is valid. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a different I don't know, man. It it just it doesn't feel like a job. And the rare days that it does, I sit down and like, well, first I'll take a time, I take some time off. Just yeah. go do some whatever, even if it's just go drive and get a burger. Yep. But then like <laughs> try to figure out why why I'm so pissed off or stressed out or what it is, what I can change. If this isn't fun, I'll let somebody else deal with it. And and it yeah. really every day just feels like I'm packing boxes while I'm waiting for somebody to talk about something on the forums. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the the scope of projects people have on there, people are building airplanes and cars and board games and cribbage boards, like everything you could want to be interested in. You, you just, I don't know, it's a, it's a different, I had a job and I, I know I would leave and I would be kind of stressed out on a deadline or I can't get over a hurdle. Something was, no matter what, I'm not the person that just clocks out and it's gone. So if I'm going to have all that brain power working on it, it might as well be me steering the boat. That's hear so that. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that is the most based take on this like ever. That's so rad. <laughs> but I, I do know, I'm sure you guys have fun with everybody you've hired. And I miss having the, the squad. physical like energy of the people being excited about something. Yeah. Like at Robo, we all came in excited. If we learned something new, we're like, oh, we'll make the, the printer better. We weren't asking for a percentage or our name on it or none of that. Just it's going to be better. This is why. And I thought about it all night and I prototyped it over the weekend. Check this out. Yep. And then at the other job, if I got stuck, I could go talk to somebody or yep. I'm pissed off, frustrated, stuck, whatever. Let me go talk to you. Yep. I almost get that with the forums, but they're, you know, like not getting a real high five or something is is missing. But yep. barely. And they're not in the same boat as you, too. Like, you're you're part of the community, but you're the one leading the ship. You're the one making the kits. You're the one doing the CAD. Like, you're still... It's not the same as, like... Like, Lucian and I can stay late for work and have a three-hour conversation about what the heck do we do about XYZ. And there's, uh, there's something really nice about being able to have that conversation. And I, you know what? I'm sure there are people in the forum that you could have that kind of conversation with though. Like all the time you, you, you do have such a connection with these people. Like, yeah, okay. There's the difference in like kidding and stuff, but it sounds like that's something you kind of want to just own anyway. And all the things that you want to have those conversations with you do with the people in the forums as is, but it's just the in-person yep. thing that you're, you're missing. Is that true? Just, just a little bit. It, yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of realizing I get more done and I can turn it on and off. Yeah. Like if you're at work and somebody's really excited and you've got stuff to do or whatever, you kind of, it's hard to get away from their excitement to go do what you need to do or whatever yeah. you're stressed. It <laughs> yeah. takes away that like the water cooler moments. So it yep. it's balanced enough to where in eight years, I don't miss it enough to go do it again. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever tried on having an intern? There's a, there's a local high school nearby, but I think I kind of need like a junior college. Yeah, definitely. I want somebody a little deeper into programming or marketing or something. One of the guys pushes. I'm imagining you find like the the senior year of Mechie College Ryan and have them do some really cool R and D independently under you. Yeah, and 
Yeah. Just as someone to commiserate with. Yeah. And that person follows some of the leads that I'm not super interested in. There's, there's paths that I don't, I don't really see a need for, but I know a lot of people are very excited about it. And it would be cool to be like, Hey, why don't you follow this for a while and see if you have fun with it? Yep. Yep. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's getting there. There's somebody to do some documentation, play with some other side product, you know, get something done tangible that I can see, follow some leads that I don't really want to follow. Yep. Like it's coming. I'm trying to plot the path of how to do that best. And it's mm-hmm. just been in the last two months when I've really, really started thinking that's, that's what's next. That's so exciting. That's cool, dude. That's yeah. awesome. That would be <laughs> such a cool thing to pursue and see and try on if you like it. And if yeah. you're like, nope, never mind. This sucks. Yeah. You go back to doing the awesome thing. If you love it, it's like, cool. I know how to bring people on and how to have them do stuff. And what I've noticed is like before Opula was really a company, it was me working on designing the Lumen in my apartment. And what I've noticed is when it was just me and I was just working on YouTube and marketing and starting to work and like raising money and starting the company and all that stuff. And it was just me. I was in one eight hour day. I was, or I should say per hour, I was way more effective when it was just me. And now that we're seven or eight or whatever the count is now, the company is way, 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 way more effective than just I could be. But I am so much less effective because my day is broken up into a bunch of little things. I'm helping other people be effective less than me actually being the knife that's cutting. I'm I'm helping doing the cutting, you know? So I feel way less effective during the day because I'm helping facilitate other people being effective. And that feels less satisfying in a lot of ways. It also is very satisfying in other ways, but I don't have the same kind of like individual contributor output per day that I do now that, that, that I used to even remotely. So that's another thing too, you know, like the more other things that are involved, the less, sometimes I'll just, we have a coffee, coffee shop on the first floor here. I'll just take my laptop downstairs, put on my headphones, turn off discord notifications. And I take five hours and I just go down to the coffee shop and it's like, figure it out till I come back up. <laughs> I just need yeah. to execute right now. That's how I would be for sure. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would definitely go hide somewhere and just, if I get inspired, it's almost obsessive. I, yep. I don't do anything else. Yep. And somebody will have to come and tell me to eat. And yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I know if I was in the middle of something, I would probably not be super pleasant. You know, if somebody kept, but what about this? What about, Hey dude, not right now. So I yep. would have to just go dismiss myself and come back when I'm willing and able to hear something. Right. Knowing that I think, you know, realizing that might, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to pursue new things. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, it comes to a point where it's like, if you want to move it to a next stage, you kind of have to like managing yeah. someone else is so much of like helping them help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it also diminishes over time. Like we have, uh, one of our guys, Bryce has been here for like a year and a half. He's coming up on his two years. He knows exactly what to do. He just runs. He's super effective. Like he just flies and there isn't a lot of, you know, managing that needs to happen. He's just yeah. flying, you know? Yeah. So it's really only at the beginning of getting someone up that that really needs to happen very much, especially for like kidding stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Once yeah. somebody, I, you know, that would be the cool thing. Like, here's here's the drudgery and here's the fun stuff. Allocate your time accordingly. Mm-hmm. These things need to get done in these periods. And at Robo, we got a little freedom to poke around on the side. If we showed them, it was, you know, check this out. Right. It was useful. So we did get to poke around a lot or the media or the 
breaks would be a little longer because we're doing these things. Yep. It could work. Find, I, I think finding the fit seems like it would be hard, except for I don't think that's what would happen. Somebody would come in and they'd probably fit pretty close. Like yeah. either there, you would know, I would know quickly, like it's yes or no. Yep. Yeah. yeah Are yeah. you excited? Are you having fun? If you're just here to 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 make some money, you gotta leave. Yep. Like you have to be excited <laughs> and I'll pay you. Yeah, yeah you want you want to find senior in college Ryan working at Robo. You you would be Robo for someone else. You would yeah. be their Robo, you know? Yeah, we've learned we can we can teach anything besides passion. They need they need to come in hot and excited about yeah. the, the job and what we're up to and like not drink the Kool-Aid, but be here for the mission. Exactly. Dude, like, exactly. You, you can teach you can teach anyone to solder yep. with enough time and patience. Anyone can solder. Oh, easy. Anyone can run a lumen. Anyone can build a lumen. It's like, are you stoked about it? Are you excited to kick butt? Are you, do you think it's yeah. cool? And if that, that cannot be taught, that's just like, you have to, yeah. that's the only thing that is like super non, not up for debate. <laughs> that's how I saw Robo do it. People came in and they would not fit quite mm-hmm. right. They yep. would get a printer and leave. I was, I don't know how many months in, I was like, man, three people have come and gone with printers. I don't even have a printer yet. <laughs> like, but what they were doing was just getting them out the door because they were there for a printer or a paycheck or whatever. So they were just, eh, you're wasting time. You're out. Yep. And I didn't need a printer because I was there. So I think when I actually asked them about it, they were like, you don't have a couple printers at this point? Like, no, I just <laughs> use them here at work. And they were like, oh, well, yeah, grab one. <laughs> And they're like, we thought you had one like day two. And I was like, no, I do it all here. Wow. Ryan, you must have been such a dream for Robo. They must have just been so over the moon stoked about you being there. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like it. It's the thing. If I think something is right or I have an idea, I will fight for it. If if I don't have an opinion, I don't care. I'll be like, oh, that's cool for this reason. If I think something is right, you're going to have to push. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing ever went bad. They, we all did get along. We all went out on Fridays and stuff like it. All that stuff was absolutely good. But I know, I know every once in a while, they must have been like, that guy, you know, but, like. But dude, that conflict is so good, though. If, yeah. if a smart dude comes in at a startup and goes, I think you're wrong. And here's <laughs> why. Let me tell you. And you truly believe it. And you have a good backing for it. You're a dream for an early stage hardware company because you're telling them why they're wrong. I mean, like you're helping them fix <laughs> the problems. And if you legitimately were wrong and they have a better argument, fine. Like someone that's just going to be passive and be like, whatever, I'm not going to yeah. build this thing. Like you went to China and un all the stuff on the line to yeah. get it to, to work. I mean, like I, I sure it might have felt frustrating, but like you probably had such an unbelievable impact on that place of like having a strong voice on fixing problems, you know, it was probably really valuable to them, even if they didn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, companies, like, they need people like that that are passionate yeah. and won't let something go. Yeah. Yep. But maybe walking by their office every time, another bent screw, another <laughs> bent screw. Like, maybe maybe I didn't just need to rub it in so much. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. But, but still, the sentiment there, you know, yes. like, you're making yeah. them aware of stuff that's messed up, you know, like, however yeah. you do it, that's a, a different story. But yeah, I'm sure we still had fun and we, yeah, we all got along. I'm, I would be curious to hear their side of it at this, this yeah. many years later, but. We'll bring them on next. Be like, tell us about Ryan. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Stuff.
are there things that you feel like we didn't address that are like really important in how you operate v1 uh that you didn't touch on no 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 because i'm like the unoperation i just (laughs) i mean usually i'm in my garage it's the weirdest it's the weirdest (laughs) thing to think every once in a while my girlfriend is like hey dude you you do run a business it doesn't always feel that way it does it doesn't usually feel that way so it's it's weird to talk about it like a business because it it's weird it's just not to me yeah yeah it's just fun (laughs) you're just doing what you want to do how do you explain what you do to uh, like friends and family at a barbecue yeah i bet that's fascinating i ask them you know anything about 3d printers and it's usually i just explain a 3d printer to them i tell them nothing about my business if they know what a 3d printer is i kind of tell them about it i think i've had two people that knew what a cnc machine was but like wow i mean my friends will come over and be like, so what does this thing do again? I'm like, you're, you're watching it work right now. <laughs> this is what it does. It cuts things out. And they're like, and then what? I'm like, That's the point. That's, the, it, that's what yeah. it does. <laughs> then you have a cut thing. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, what? You printing all these parts. You've got a bunch on the shelf. Why do you keep printing parts? Like, that's what I sell. Yeah. What? People buy that? Don't you have enough already? <laughs> Don't you have enough already? Yeah, it's dude, none of them. <laughs> so I, only one guy, and he's the one that's always like, hey, dude, you know, so if you brought me on, I'd, I'd go market these to schools. And I was like, I probably should let you do that. <laughs> ah, that sounds like a good, fun first contract deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even I've kind of noticed that, like, finding our community is easier online. It's not necessarily about, like, the immediate people around you, because it's just that's going to be yeah. a crapshoot of interest. Yeah, but it's like nobody, you know, is into to making their own PCBs, right? Like other than people maybe you <laughs> went to school with or worked with like none of your personal friends. Yeah. I mean, at this point, most of my personal friends are people from the Internet that I met through PCB related things. <laughs> so <laughs> but like people that I like run into on the street that I meet like randomly in Pittsburgh. No. I mean, yeah. like it's it's I think about this with like the city a lot like Pittsburgh is not a huge city, but th- there was a, a store in Lawrenceville that was only about selling zombie themed merch. It's just about zombie stuff. And I think about this store all the time because it, the only place such a niche store like that can exist is a city, because when you have a high enough concentration of people, you will have just statistically Somebody. enough people that are excited about zombies that they'll buy a zombie t-shirt and the internet is the ultimate yes. city. If you have literally everybody in that place, there will be a niche for literally anything. You will find them somewhere. You just have to know where to look. And, you know, th- th- you, you yeah. can always find it no matter <gasps> what your interest is. <laughs> and, and you've done such a good job of tapping into those people, building community, organizing them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I just got lucky. I like, yeah. <laughs> I'm passionate about making stuff and, the, you know, passionate people stick together, I think. Yep. And we're very nice. If anybody comes in, they get a little talking to or they're out. And I've never, yep. I've only had to kick one person out. And I've only ever really had to say anything three times. But yep. like, we're all nice. So everybody's nice. Nobody of comes course. off hot headed and it, nobody gives it back. That's great. different. So what do you think V1 looks like in five years? Where, where do you? Uh... Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I have no idea is a totally valid answer, but it's an opportunity to share what your hopes, your expectations, your ideas for it in five years might look like. Uh, The only thing (laughs) that popped in my head is the same price, better performance, easier to use. Okay, Like that's my only goal is be very frugal with pricing Mm -hmm. 
and all choices have to lead to easier or better. Yeah. Company-wise, I don't think about that. <laughs> it's all about the user experience. Yeah. What a what an awesome way to structure it, Ryan. Like that's just that's the coolest well, <laughs> to have that. <laughs> it's been working so far. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> you can't call it backwards to us, but it's product first, not like company first. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our the Opulo's mission is to help people manufacture their products and. Everything that we do is suited towards that. Every decision that we make is still about helping people accomplish this goal. And like, yeah, the company needs to run to help facilitate that. Like we still need to keep money in the bank to, you know, pay people to build the things and to, you know, keep working on the source and all that kind of stuff. But the point of why this exists to begin with is to help people, is to help people make make their thing, you know? And if that is the main focus, a lot of other stuff just kind of falls into place. If you are focused on the right thing, people are going to see that and and continue to prioritize you as as a solution for that. I think you have to be you have to be not focused on money. You you have to realize the money is there to keep you moving. Yeah. So it's it's a necessary evil. But if mm-hmm. you start a business to make money, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be especially because when things are hard and you're not making money, do you Yeah, stop? you just throw in the towel. Yep. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 you're doing it for a different reason. Like, I, I I, have this this mental model in my head of like, let's say, you know, Opulo goes wildly bankrupt and we have to like totally stop shipping machines and stuff. I would still work on the Lumen. I would still oh, yeah. work on the next version. Like, it's not like, like, Opulo is the best way to get the machine out to people. And I think it's the best thing that we can do to help solve the problem of how people make stuff. But if that doesn't work... I want to keep it alive. I still want to do it. You know, like it's not yeah. about yeah, yeah, making yeah. a buco bucks. It's about keeping the the engine running and so, doing this thing. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. We are in yeah. similar. Yes. It's, yes. <laughs> the passion is what's fueling this, not the money. That that goes up and down quite a bit and yeah. in and out. So it's, I don't know, same thing. If If this stopped, I mean, I made it for free in the first place. I would still be working on it over here. The more yep. I use it, the more I see something I might want to change. Like the printer, I don't even sell printer stuff, but I mean, I just did a revision on it. So, I mean, it, I do it. I see some people that ask a lot of money questions when they're starting stuff. And I, I know they're not going to be in for a good, this isn't why, if you're a chef, you want to, you need to want to love to cook and to be part of that. If you're starting a restaurant to make money, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's a it it's that way. Like, I don't know. Money has to be there, but a good business is is a passionate business, not a not a profit, not a hugely profitable business. That's just the luck. Yeah. It almost feels like it's it's like a cart before the horse thing a little bit. Like you have to not care and then you'll be successful when you don't care. <laughs> or it's like it's like the the Buddhist idea of finding happiness. Like if you try really hard to be happy. Well, you're trying really hard. You're put. You're really, you know, putting in all this effort to do. It. If you just exist, you will find the happiness. You know, <laughs> if you're just doing your thing, well, it'll just kind of come. But if you really try hard, I want to make a lot of money. Well, <laughs> okay, you're gonna inherently make the decisions that maybe don't make that money come. You know, it's a weird, you know, key behind a locked door scenario almost. You know, yeah, I, I expect all those words to be coming out of Lucian's mouth. He's the one that says the the. The catchphrases here. <laughs> the analogies. I don't think I've gotten one in yet. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting. Where's mine? 
<laughs> my favorite recent one was the kick in the can down the road every item on the bomb is a can and every yeah. time you buy stock you kick the can further that's my new favorite how hard i don't like want to kick one. it how hard do you kick that can yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh my god all right folks that's it for this one thank you so much for listening don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcast it helps us out a ton for other people finding it you can find opula on twitter facebook and instagram and also don't forget to check out opula.io and sign up for our newsletter where we write blog posts and do customer interviews with other folks building open hardware ryan where can people find you oh easy b1e.com everything's there wow really that's great yep (laughs) i'm proud of that one (laughs) that's a that's a great domain Love those three letters. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And yeah. uh, great. And we'll we'll see y'all in the next one. Thanks, guys. See ya. Later. Let's do that outro, and then uh, we just did. Uh, yeah, we're done. Where were you at? Cool. Daydreaming. Yeah, you were zoning out. Daydreaming. Watching the, the Steam video. <laughs> <laughs>